Um, we're in a new series. Uh, this series is called Selfless. And um, we're talking this month about how God can rewire us to be different than what it is normally to be a human being. Uh, most human beings by nature are selfish. Um, we think first of ourselves and then we think of others. Um, but <clears throat> God has called us to be selfless. And um, we're talking this time of year about making New Year's resolutions, making um, changes to our lives. And a lot of this time, it's good things, but it's always generally a self-focused thing. I need to lose 10 pounds. I need to be this. I need to do that. Um, but we want God to make us more and more like him, which would be to be selfless. Last week, we talked about being bold in our witness. Um, some of you guys were here for that, bold in our witness. And I don't know if anybody tried to do something bold this week. Anybody step out? Amanda did. She would try to help somebody in another state. And I don't know how that worked out. We can tell, tell me afterwards. He can, probably still in process. But, um, you know, hey, all you can do is, is do your part, right? Sometimes we think we've got to solve every problem. But just take the step God's asking us to take in boldness. And then God will take care of the, the results. We can't do everything. Um, um, so that's what we talked about last week. Next, we're going to talk about being extravagant in generosity. I don't know about you. When someone uh, looks at your life, do they consider you to be extravagantly generous? I don't know if they would say that about me either. I don't know that's something to consider. So we'll talk about that next week. And then the final week um, this month, the chili cook-off week, we're talking about being grateful in the grind. Uh, but this week, I want to talk about being faithful in service. Um, right now, we are in basketball season. And um, we had a really tough game on Thursday. It was really exciting. Probably the most exciting middle school girls game we've ever seen. Because when you think of middle school girls basketball, it doesn't necessarily bring excitement to anybody's mind. But um, this was a overtime one-point win with two like last-second shot type of things going in. And it was pretty exciting. And so we have this little rivalry. Remember, we used to meet at Meadow Glen Middle. Um, so we got a little rivalry with their girls team. My wife's at Lexington Middle. And so this, this is a good thing. We're going to see them one more time. And so I'm getting all hyped into the basketball season, helping coaching and all this. And one thing when you coach, you like to study the tendencies of your opponent. If you've ever coached anything, you want, or even if you played anything, you want to know what their tendencies are because that will help you have a competitive advantage. If a certain player in basketball likes to shoot three-pointers from the outside, well, you need to know that if they're good at it. If they're not good at it, it doesn't matter. But if they're good at it, you want to know that, you want to then defend that. If somebody likes to dribble the ball, this is more the basketball than you really want. But I'll give it to you because... I'm into it. Andrew appreciates it. Um, but if they want to dribble right all the time, that's all they dribble, then you need to know that and guard them appropriately because they always go right. Mm -hmm. And on and on. You study the tendencies. You know, people actually, though, will look at the tendencies in our life. We have tendencies in our life way outside of the sports arena. We do things a certain way. And in fact, sometimes we'll somebody say, this person always does that. So I want you to think about this for a second. If somebody was looking at your life, what would they say you're always doing? What are you always doing? When they look at Darrell and some say, oh, Darrell, he's always drumming. I don't know. What would you say Darrell's doing? Mike, he's always doing this. Todd, he's always posting some good pictures of food on Facebook. Um, Andrew, he's always killing people in chess. <laughs> David, he's always... You fill in the blank. I don't have to, I don't have to fill in the blank. That's not my job. I'm in trouble here, Pastor. Um, but you, think about it for yourself. What are you always doing? Um, uh, it's, it's actually an interesting, interesting question, which I think will be good to explore on Tuesday in the group. Just think about that. What, do you, what would you think people are saying about you? What are you always doing? 
Because if you do something enough, that's what you become known for. Um, where they say that you are always encouraging people. Man, that guy is always encouraging. Every time I see him, so encouraging. Or oh, he's always uh, griping about something. I know people that you can you can just bet if you're talking to them for more than two minutes, they won't gripe about something. Something ain't right. Something messed up. Something you know. You bet those people, right? Um, are they always finding good, or are they always finding fault? Um, that person's always working. They're always working, workaholic. They work, 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 work. That person's always uh, lazy, always just doing whatever they want. That person's always playing video games. That person's always uh, working out. You know, he's a gym, gym butt. I mean, I had this, uh, this, <laughs> you've seen people always go to the gym. Um, <laughs> this person's always sharing their faith. They're always out there talking about Jesus all the time. This guy, man, this guy's always talking about Jesus. This person's always scrolling Instagram. Oh, just scrolling, always on their phone, right? On and on and on we could go. So the series is selfless. I want us to think about the fact that we live in a pretty selfish world. And it's, it's easy to be self-centered, self-gratifying, and self-promoting. And in fact, if you look up self-promotion on, on the internet, look it up on Google, you'll find all sorts of articles on how you can promote yourself. This is seven ways to promote yourself to get ahead in business or to, to find, to find uh, you know, get ahead than somebody else. Um, 40 ways to promote, self-promote this is one without being a jerk. So you want to self-promote, but just don't be a jerk about it, right? Um, and if you ask, this is interesting, if you do surveys about teenagers, you ask them, what do you want to be? What will be the, the occupation that you want to be? Ask young people. And in sur recent surveys they've done, young people more and more say not like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a teacher, but I want to be famous. 54% of this survey said, I want to be famous, I want to be a celebrity. I want to be a celebrity. That's what I want to be. I want to be a YouTube star, an Instagram star. I want to be somebody that's famous. I want to have a lot of followers, a lot of likes. I want to have a lot of clicks. I want to have people looking at my life, and that's what I really want. I want to be the greatest of all time. I want to be the GOAT. You guys heard that phrase, the GOAT? G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time. So that's what I want to be. I want to be the greatest of all time. Whatever it may be, the greatest this, the greatest that. And so that's kind of how young people are thinking in our culture today. And um, if we're not careful, we can get sucked up into that way of thinking. We get sucked up into that mentality. We want to have this the greatest of all time. We want our church to be the greatest of all time. And everybody comes and thinks how great our church is. Well, if we have good motivation for that, because we want people to come to know Christ, maybe that's okay. But sometimes we can even be selfish and just because we want to say we go to this great church and everybody thinks it's cool, right? Um, and so it's easy to be self-promoting. It's easy to be self-centered and selfish-oriented. <coughs> Um, but the problem is if we want to follow Jesus, Jesus teaches us stuff that is diametrically opposed to, to all of that. He says in Matthew 16, 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. He says in Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest of all time is a servant. And so if you're a follower of Christ, um, serving is not something that we do. It's who we are. It's, it's an action that reflects who we are intrinsically on the inside. Serving isn't just what we do. It's at our core who we're called to be. So if you want to say this, I don't do a lot of repeat after me. You've been to those churches where they do repeat after me. And they're like, say this, say that. I always get some my nerves, okay? So I won't, I'll make, I won't make that, you do that too much. But you can do this one time with me, okay? Say, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. Of the Most High God. The Most High God. When I serve others. When I serve others. I'm serving Christ. I'm serving Christ. 
One more time, or would you be annoyed? Let's do it one more time. I'm a servant, I'm a servant of the Most High God. When I serve others, I am serving Christ. That's an important thing to remember. Because when we serve others, we see them. And others aren't always uh, the nicest people, right? Some people are, but not everybody. So what are you always doing? This is what we're talking about. And I want to look at a story today in the book of Acts. So if you want to turn there in Acts chapter 9, um, this is an interesting story. We'll use as kind of the basis of our, uh, our message this morning. It's in Acts chapter 9. Um, and this is, a, this is a, a person who is known for something. I'll turn here with you. Acts chapter 9. All right. This is a story of, as a child, I loved this Bible character because I thought it was funny. Her name is Dorcas, right? You ever call somebody a Dorcas? Well, this person's parents called them Dorcas and thought it was a good idea. Um, but this name actually means gazelle, and she has, it's a woman, she has a other name, a non-Greek name, and it's called Tabitha, which is much more acceptable. So if you ever met a Tabitha, you can always call that person Dorcas, and you're right on the point. Anybody know a Tabitha? When you see him, say, hey, Dorcas. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know. All right, so we're, we're looking at the story of Dorcas or Tabitha, and uh, this is in Acts 9, starting in verse 36. Um, and I'll read it out to you. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing what? Good. Always doing good and helping the poor. That's what she was known for. What are you always doing, Dorcas? Always doing good and helping the poor. Verse 37. About that time, she became sick and died. So just because you do good and help the poor doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you. Right? It wasn't like Dorcas lived forever and, you know, no, she died. About the time she became sick and died and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, which these are two towns here in the, the area. So they, the disciples who heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room and the and all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had made them while she was there with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, he didn't call her Dorcas then. Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by her hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. It's an interesting story. This is a woman who was dead and then was not dead. Doesn't happen a lot, right? That's not something you'll see every day. Uh, I've never seen that a whole lot in my life. Uh, most time when people die, they just stay dead. But God so orchestrated through Peter to raise this woman from the dead. 
Um, and so let's look at this a little bit deeper and what we can learn from this, this story, and then we'll, we'll have three points so we can have an official sermon, okay? Um, Luke says that Tabitha, or Dorcas, took God's command seriously to take care of society's most vulnerable. She was always doing good and doing what? Helping the poor. And when, when Peter showed up, who were gathered around? A bunch of widows. She helped the poor and the widows. She made her, her life to help those that were most vulnerable in society. That's what she was always doing. Um, God has many commands throughout Scripture to help those that are marginalized in society, those who cannot take care of themselves, or those that can try to help them in some way, in some fashion, in some form. Now, it's not all on one person to take care of everybody, but as collective body believers, if we all do something, we can help quite a bit. And so that's what she had given her life to, and she had made such a difference that there was an outpouring of grief upon her death. Think about your death. When you die, this is not always what we want to think about, but when you die, well, there'll be an outpouring of grief because you help so many people that are like, well, darn, I ain't going to get any help now. Like, I'm in trouble now because this person was, like, helping me out so much. This is how I made it. And now they're gone. And now I don't know what I'm going to do. Or, or if you don't want to think about your death, that's too crazy. Think about you moving to another place across country. And all of a sudden, the, the number of lives that will be impacted because you moved. I don't know. That's tough. Because sometimes we think about them. I don't know. What did anybody even know? So she died. Outpouring of grief upon her death because so many people loved her because of the way she lived her life. And this is a strong indication that when she was serving others, she loved what she was doing. Now, I'll share real briefly about uh, a lady that served me as a three-year-old in my, uh, I don't know if I told you about the Scotch tape lady. Have I told you about the Scotch tape lady? Mm -hmm. Oh, the Scotch tape lady. This is one of my earliest memories of childhood. Okay, I was probably three years old. That's what I'm going to guess, because I was at a church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I grew up. Uh, First Assembly of God, Fort Wayne, three-year-old kid, in a class, I don't know what type, just kid's class, and you do little crafts and projects as a kid, you color, you do stuff, and you get tape for whatever reason. The lady, the scotch tape lady, will come by and say, don't use up all my scotch tape. Now, I remember this as a three-year-old. I was scared to death of the scotch tape lady, because she would tell us, do not use up all my scotch tape. And I'm like, I don't know how much to take here. Am I taking too much? Am I going to use it all up? I don't know if this lady would yell at me. This is scary. And I remember this as a three-year-old, because I, that's the things you remember. You don't remember, like, real things. You just remember that. And so the scotch tape lady was doing a job of service in this class, but she was doing it in such a way that I would have been happy if she was gone. Right? Mm -hmm. Give me another scotch tape lady, because this lady scares me. <laughs> well, Tabitha must have done her work in such a way that she loved the people that she served. Mm -hmm. So there's a way you can serve people, and you can scare them, and they're like, please, I just want to get out of here. Or you can serve them, and they're like, man, that person was so kind, so loving, so gracious. And it's not just the action of what I'm doing, giving you a piece of scotch tape, but the way I do it is, is just almost as important as what I'm doing. And so... The way she served people caused people to miss her so much. She was so beloved in this community that <coughs> others couldn't imagine life without her. And her ministry was so vital. But look at this, that God so chooses to bring her back from the dead because her ministry was so vital in this community. Imagine, imagine being a church that God says, you know what, this church is so vital that I'm going to bring it back from the dead. 
I, I, won't, I won't stretch the analogy too far, but maybe God's doing that in our midst. That a church that was in, in some ways kind of shriveling down, God's going to bring it back from the dead because he believes it's so vital in this community. That, that's something we can latch on to. That's something that we can hold on to and say, you know what, God wants to do something here. He's going to bring us back from the dead, and he's going to make a difference in this community because he, he knows there's people here that need hope and need life and need him. But it's not when we focus on ourselves. It's not when we look at, oh, how can we do this and be such an amazing church? It's when we focus on others and say, you know what, how can we help other people that are in need? I think that's when God will say, you know, yeah, we need you here, and we're going to, we're going to pour life into that. So God raises her from the dead through Peter. And I want us to look at this too. In the first century, when females' activities of, of, of women normally related around the preservation of their own family. So if you could make a generalization, women at that time were not really um, given to helping in the community. They are more preserving family. This is my family, my unit, my household. This is what i got to worry about. That was their domain. But her lifestyle showed that she engaged in the needs around her and not just looking at herself. And here's another very important point that many scholars look to Dorcas or Tabitha and think that she was a widow herself. Never mentions her husband, never mentions anything like that. And so think about someone who had lost her husband, who had gone through hardship, gone through pain, gone through tragedy in her life. And she, instead of saying, you know what, my life stinks. Why did this happen? Why did all God allow this to happen to me? Instead, she then spent her life serving other people. Isn't that an awesome picture? Because we all go through pain. We all go through hard times. It's so easy to then focus on ourselves. Man, why did this happen? I don't know what. How am I going to get through this? But maybe the way she got through was by serving others. Yes. You know what? Rather than I'm going to spend my life worried about what happened to me, you know what? I know it hurts, but I'm going to spend my life serving others, and God's going to fill me with joy and love and peace as I do that. Amen. 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 Yes. It's a powerful story. I, I really uh, believe that we can learn something here from Tabitha. But she could have chosen a life centered around taking care of herself, um, but instead she focused on serving others, and is a great example for us today. So how can we, as, as Jesus' followers, how can we become faithful servants? You might say, you know, I don't make clothes for others like Tabitha. I don't have a sewing machine. I'm not, hey, you know, what can I do, right? I don't have, uh, you know, I'm not a singer. You know, in church, we always focus on the singer and the preacher. I don't get up in front of people. I'm kind of quiet. So what can I do? Um, there's all sorts of ways that we can serve others. I don't have the time today to list every way, but let me give you three pictures from Scripture of how we can serve others. Number one is this. We can bring a lunch. Bring a lunch. Thanks, Dane. You can bring a bottle of water for your dad. Um, or your sister. No, it's okay. She has one already. Thanks for thinking of me, buddy. I love you. So you can bring a lunch. Um, when you think of bringing a lunch, if you're a Bible person, you might think of the feeding of the 5,000. Right? You may have heard of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus, and then their little boy's lunch and all that. that. That's a good story. We won't look at that one today. We'll look at the story of David, King David. And um, I'm just going to kind of try to breeze through some of this because just for the sake of time. But you can go back and read over the story. But David was an interesting character. He's the Old Testament superstar. He's the pinnacle of characters of the Old Testament. He is the precursor to Jesus. Jesus is from the line of David. He is the top king of all time, but he starts out as a lowly, forgotten, youngest little child that nobody cares about. 
He's a, uh, the youngest of seven brothers, and he's out in the field watching sheep. Nobody gives a rip about him. And he's just little David, the singer, harp player guy. Um, but not to say, God saw so much potential in his heart, and I think could be part of his, his attitude and how he, he carried himself. Here's one example. When his brothers were out fighting the Philistines, or, or pretending like they are going to fight the Philistines when Goliath was there, if you remember that story in 1 Samuel, and you can look it up in 1 Samuel, I think it's 15 or 16, uh, 16, 17 in that area. Um, Jesse's asked David not to go and be the man, to be the goat. David, I want you to go be the goat, show him how great of a fighter you are, all right? And, and go take down this Goliath, and you're going to be like everybody singing your praises. He says, I want you to carry this lunch to your brothers. I want you to go take the recycling out side. I want you to go take the trash to the curb. I want you to clean up your room. I want you to do something that is not glamorous at all. You're a delivery boy. You're the Uber Eats guy. You're, that's what you're doing. You're delivering food, okay? So he takes this basket of food, and he's like, this, oh, man, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And if David never said, you know what, okay, Dad, I'll do that. I'll carry the lunch. He would never have been in the place to fight Goliath and to rise to the potential where God had him to take over and become the king. He would have just stayed at home, and if he would have said, you know what, that, that's just too below me. I don't carry lunches. I'm David. Man, I, I like sing songs of praise, and I got this harp thing going on, and, and I've killed a lion and a bear and all this. If he wouldn't have done that, he would not have been in the position God wanted him to be in for the opportunity that was in front of him. So sometimes those opportunities, when we want to become great, they're only there because we're willing to serve. David was willing to serve, carry lunch, do something lonely. He showed up at the battle, and then that's when God so turned his heart and he had the opportunity to fight Goliath. So are you willing to carry a lunch? Are you willing to bring a lunch to somebody else? Are you willing to do those things that nobody else wants to do? Are you willing to just do the lowly things and not be noticed and not you know, get the notoriety at first and allow God to promote you to the place where you want to be? That's, that's one way where we can become a faithful servant is to do those small things, those little things, and um, allow God to promote us. Number two, we can offer a ride. This is, in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy in the book of Zechariah that the one day the king, the Messiah, would come riding on a donkey. Now, I don't know if you've been around donkeys much. Um, I don't know. We don't really use donkeys to ride on that much anymore. But donkeys at that time were not like the primary animal to ride on. Like, they did ride on horses. Like, you know, donkeys were there. They rode them. But um, this was probably going to blow people's minds because they're thinking in this prophecy, well, why would the king come riding in on a stallion? Like a horse or whatever. Why a donkey? I don't know. Um, so this is this is interesting. I mean, we would think of the, uh, the greatest king of all time coming in the stretch limousine with paparazzis, um, but coming in on a donkey is like the guy you know riding behind on the moped and on the street, like get out of the way, man, come on, you're riding a donkey. What are you doing? But this is what Jesus was going to do. So Jesus, knowing this, he tells his disciples, "I need you to go secure me a, a little moped that I can ride on, a little donkey," and. Um, he come, and the disciples come, and, we, and the story's in Luke 19, and um, they come to a man, must have been some sort of a business owner or something, and they, and they ask him, um, and he, you know, he tells him, if anyone asks you why you're tiny, he says, the Lord needs it. That's what you're supposed to tell this man in Luke 19. So he come, they come to this man, and they 
get his donkey, get his little moped, and they're like, hey, can we use this? And the Lord needs it. And instead of saying, uh, who are you? What are you doing? Like, uh, that's mine. You know, that's, that's my thing. They say, you know, the, the guy says, okay, if the Lord needs it, then he can have it. So how can you be a faithful servant is to have the attitude that the Lord needs it, he can have it. This is not my stuff. This guy just hey man, this donkey's never been ridden. It's kind of like got upgrades. The hooves are nice. The, you know, I mean, this is, this, is a, this is a nice donkey, man. I don't want to, yeah, you got this old one over here that's about to die. You can have that one. You know what I mean? This is my best donkey. You know, this is not the one I want to give out. Uh, but he says, you know, if the Lord needs it, then he can have it. So how can you be a faithful servant in your mind? If the Lord needs it, he can have it. Because everything I have is his anyway. That's right. I can serve him with what I have because if he needs it, he can have it. That's it's right. not mine. You ever see Finding Nemo? Where are the seagulls? Mine, 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 mine. And if we have that attitude, then we, we will not become a faithful servant. That's right. We'll be focused on ourselves. Well, it's mine. It's my gift, my talent. Maybe you have, uh, some people have great gifts, singing and all these other sort of things, but this is for me. I want to be, be famous. I want to be promoted. Well, no, no, no. If the Lord needs it, he can have it. That's right. I use these gifts for him. Lynn does that faithfully every week. She doesn't yes. come here to be a famous piano player. She comes to play the piano and serve the Lord and bless us and, and worship, right? And, and so many others, you know, doing things behind the scene. I, I was going to mention Mike on, on bringing lunch. You know, yesterday he, he calls me, hey, the church is set up. I'm like, sweet. We don't have to set up in the morning. Hey, you know why? Because Mike isn't asking for me to tell anybody that. He just says, I'm going to set it up, Amen. right? Yeah. And, and so and many other views are the same way. When you have that attitude to serve, you'll be blessed, and then God will promote you into greater things. So this guy offers a ride. He says that the Lord needs it. He can have it. Number three is this. Not only can we bring a lunch, can we offer a ride, we can carry a towel. We can carry a towel. By offering a ride, this guy made a way for Jesus to ride into town. And as he rode into town, we know that just a week later, him and the disciples were meeting in the upper room. And it's interesting, and while they're meeting this, this upper room meeting, celebrating the Passover, the conversation broke out again among the disciples, which had happened before, and it happened again. They're having this conversation of what? Who is the greatest of all time? They love to have this conversation. And I'm sure it was Peter, you know, saying, well, you know, I'm the only one here that walked on water, right? And so you guys are a bunch of scrubs that stayed in the boat. Uh, I'm probably the greatest of all time. And then they're all like, no, dude, because you sank and we got to get rescued by Jesus. You're not the greatest of all time. And John's like, well, you know, I'm the one that Jesus loves, right? I wrote it in my own gospel. I'm the one that Jesus loves. So, I mean, it must be, must be me because I'm the one he loves the most, right? And they're like, man, John, you're, you're so obsessed with yourself, not, not you. And then Bartholomew's like, well, what about me? And they're like, who are you? We only know you are because you're, you're Bartholomew and nobody knows Bartholomew because nobody's even heard of him. And so they're like, just sit back down, dude. We don't know who you are. And then on and on they go. And then Jesus sees all of these proud hearts and he sees dirty feet, right? Proud hearts and dirty feet. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. Look at me. Look at me. Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not what it's about. And he takes on the, the garments of a servant or a slave, puts them on, takes off his, his clothes and puts on uh, clothes that they would use, the slaves would use when they wash feet. And he, he prepares a basin of water and a towel, and he begins to wash each of the disciples' feet. Because when they came in, like, and it's custom at that time, 
Um, just like if you were to come to my house, or, or especially if you're up north, they'd take your coat and put your coat somewhere, or they'd offer you something to drink. They want some coffee. You want some. That's what we do in our time. At that point, they would wash people's feet because their feet were nasty, and they wore sandals, and they walked through all this stuff all the time. And that was just customary. But it wasn't the usual. It wasn't the owner of the house that did that. It was the lowliest person in their house. It was a servant. It was a slave. Somebody that was there. It wasn't the owner. They didn't do that. But Jesus said, no, I'll, I'll be the lowest person in this whole setting to show you what greatness is all about. I'm the one that should be talking about the greatest of all time, but I'm not even worried about that. I'm going to come and serve you and wash your feet. So Jesus comes and it says in John 13, 4 and 5, so Jesus got up from the meal and took it off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. This is the most scandalous act of selfless service that they had ever seen in their whole lives. And, and then they begin to say, no, 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 wait, 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 <laughs> Jesus, you can't do this. And Peter's like, no, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And, and, and then he says, well, no, I, I must do this because I have to demonstrate to you what being my follower is all about. So who's Jesus? He's the son of God. He's the bread of life. And he's the prince of peace. He's the living water. He's the great high priest. He's the, he's the light of the world, the lamb of God, the righteous judge, the living stone. He's the true vine. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's our redeemer, our righteousness, our sanctification, our rock. He is our Lord, and yet he knelt down and took a bowl, carried a towel, and washed feet. Because Jesus knew that the greatest among us is never a self-promoter. He's always a servant. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve others and give my life as a ransom for many. So how did we become great? We can bring a lunch, we can offer a ride, we can carry a towel. Because serving is not just something that we do. Being a servant is who we are. I'm the servant of the Most High God. When I serve others, I am serving Jesus Christ. You might say, well, how does that even make sense? Well, Jesus, and as we kind of wrap this up in Lynn, if you'll come, Jesus told another story in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, and it's a story of what? The sheep and the goats. The sheep and the goats. And the sheep he gathered to one side, and those who wanted to be the goats, he gathered to the other. And he said, you know, who do you want to be, the greatest of all time? goats, you can come over here. And sheep, you can come over here. And then he says to them, welcome to my kingdom, he says to the sheep. And he says to the goats, you know what, I, I don't think we know each other. I don't think we have a relationship. I don't really think we know. And you're, you're going to have to go on into eternity really not having a relationship with me. And then he says to the sheep, welcome to my kingdom for that I prepared for you. And thank you, because when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was sick, you prayed for me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And, there, and it says in Matthew 25, 37 to 40, the righteous, or the, the sheep, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Like, we don't remember doing this. I don't remember doing it. Or when did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger invite us in or needing clothes and clothing? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king replied, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. So when you visit someone else in prison, you actually showed love to me. When you offered a drink to someone in another country, maybe when 
Uh, we, I mean, I want to have opportunities to do this this year as a church to really reach out beyond our walls to around the world with missions opportunities. We have a missionary coming at the beginning of February to share about Honduras um, and, and what we can do there. And so um, when we offer something to somebody else, even that we never see, we do it for Jesus. When we welcome something, somebody that doesn't feel welcome, when we, when we extend ourselves out and be a little bit bold beyond our own personality, maybe like, oh, I don't really know, but you know, I'm going to take a step because, you know, I want them to feel comfortable. I want to I want to just have a conversation, make them know that they're welcome here. When we show them love and grace, we actually are welcoming Jesus into this place. So how do you become great? You become great by becoming less about you and more about him. And therefore, we're more about other people. Because serving is not something that we do. Serving is who we are. It's our core. It's our essence. You might think this morning, you know what, I'm not really great at a lot. And you're racking your brain thinking, I don't even know what I can do. I get the message, Pastor Sarah, I'm like, get what you're saying. It's coming across clear. But I don't know how I can do this in my life. I don't know where to do it. But let me just share with you, the little things are the big things. Don't get caught up in the big things first. The little things are the big things. The kingdom of God, it's about the little things. It's not about coming up with some great, you know, multifaceted ministry and start, okay, we've got to come up with this big organization. It's about the little things in our life, in our heart each and every day. Being willing to serve others, being willing to show love to others, extending grace and mercy to others. Those are the things that really lead us along as we do this. You know, I think about examples of serving. It's not always in the church and it's not always outside the church. It's a combination. You can serve here in our church, but our church is very small and we have little going on, which is fine. We have a Sunday service, we have some small groups, we have some kids ministry. That's it. That's all we're at right now. So there's some opportunities to serve here, but there's so many opportunities to serve in the community. You know, and that's kind of where we're focused right now. We're, we have some needs inside our church. Yeah, we want to have a set of crew and all this and that. Um, we have some needs with the kids ministry. Um, we have, you know, worship opportunities and things of that nature. But don't get so caught up inside the church thinking that there's not, well, I can't do any of that, so what, what is there? There's so many opportunities out of this community that we can serve others. And, and God's calling us to that. I think of the church I was at in Virginia. It was a massive church. Big. And it was a type of church where people just start all sorts of ministries. Because there were so many people, you could just get three or four people and start ministry. And so people, they had a ministry where they knitted prayer shawls together. Which I don't even know what a prayer shawl is, personally. But they would knit them together. And it was like a, a scarf or something. And then they would pray for it. And then they would take it to people that were sick. And it was a representation of the fact that we're praying for you. It was a physical reminder that we're praying for you. Right? That's a cool ministry. It wasn't for me. I don't know how to knit, and I don't know the first thing about that. But people felt called to do it, and they did it with their heart, and they did it with love, and it impacted people. Right? And that was that was what God was leading them to do. And that's, that's what we have to find. We're not all going to do the same thing. Um, there's people that would go out every, every um, Sunday morning into D.C. and pick up the homeless, because we were in the D.C. area. And they would bust them into our church, and they would feed them breakfast, and they would love on them, and they would talk to them about Christ. And you know what? The homeless are not always going to respond uh, like, oh, gee, thanks, man. That's great. You know, sometimes they're like, man, you know. But they would continue to show the love of Christ because when I'm serving you, I'm serving Christ. Um, there was people that would mentor one-on-one. -on -one. They would just say, you know what? Let's go have breakfast, and, and let me help you as a young man to know what it means to be a father. Let me help you as a youth to, to make it through high school and the different challenges that you're facing. I had a great group of youth leaders there that would serve and that would mentor young people and help them through different challenges. 
on and on and on I could, I could go. But there's so many opportunities where we can serve others. Don't limit yourself. God has something for each one of us. It may not be that the same as the person next to you. It doesn't have to be. That's what he's made us all different and unique. But God has something for us to do for his kingdom. So what, what are you always doing? Think about it. Would they say he's always offering a ride? Always carrying a towel? What do you always do? Always bringing the lunch? Always welcoming people at the door? Always giving to somebody in need? Always praying? This person's always a light in our office. Always kind, always encouraging, lifting others up. I'm not doing this to impress other people. I'm doing this because of what Christ did for me. I'm a servant of the Most High God. When I serve others, I'm serving Christ. I would, I would, I would really encourage you to, to really try to find a consistent place where you can serve. Inside or outside the church, or a consistent way that you want to serve. Don't make it just sort of random. But say, you know, Lord, lead me to somewhere where I can serve consistently. I can serve on, a, on an ongoing basis. Where I can plug in and I can do this and I can make this a lifestyle. Let, let that be something that you pray about as a church. And every single day we wake up, we say something along the lines of, God, this is the day you've made. I will rejoice and be glad. Give me your thoughts. Give me your eyes. Give me people. Uh, give me eyes to see the people who are in need. And give me a heart that breaks with things that break your heart. I'm your servant. I want to see your opportunities today. Prompt me by your spirit anytime, anywhere. And my answer will be yes. We just bow our heads in prayer this morning. Lord, Father, I ask that you would stir us, God, and shake us. Move us out of the selfish and self-centered, self-promoting way of thinking. God, I pray, Lord, that we will start each one of us by denying ourselves. Whatever that may look like in this season of life for us, maybe it's just denying self-pity. And we're just not going to go there anymore. We're not going to say, you know, my life's so horrible and all these things happen to me and I don't even know what to do. But we're going to stop doing that. We're going to realize that you have blessed us and that you're with us. And by your spirit, Lord, we can do what you're calling us to do. By your spirit, Lord, we can overcome anything that we're facing. So we're going to deny the self-pity. We're going to deny the struggles that we just want to allow over and over. We're going to rise above by your spirit's power. And Lord, we ask that you would help us this, this day. Put a stake in the ground and say, you know, I'm a servant of Christ. I'm not just a Christian that goes to church. I'm not just somebody that wants to go to heaven one day when I, when I pass away. But I'm a servant of Christ. That's who I am. It's not what I do. It's who I am. If you're here today this morning and you would say, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. and I want to grow in my heart to serve others. You know, God, help me to see myself as you would see me, a servant making a difference every day. If that's what you want to do, you want to be growing your service to other people, would you lift your hand with me this morning? Because I want to grow my, in my life as well. You can put it up, you can put it down, you can leave it up, however you want to do it. We're just going to pray together. Father, I thank you for that you're speaking to people's hearts today. I pray, Lord, that you would help us have a consistent place to serve maybe somewhere each week whether it's in the church or in the community where we say you know, this is my mission field this is where I go, this is where I bless others this is where I lift others up, this is where I'm encouraging this is what I do Lord help us God to, to 
fight against that gravity to, to be about ourselves and our needs. Lord, I trust that you will take care of our needs. But you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to be willing to do the small things, just like David, to carry a lunch. Even though we may think we're above that. To do the small things and just to see how you will promote us, God. How you will lead us to where we need to be. God, help us to, to be willing to offer what we have. And say, Lord, if the Lord needs it, then he can have it. Lord, help us to be willing to, to wrap a towel around our waist and to do the things that nobody else wants to do. To lower ourselves and to say, you know what, if nobody else does it, I'll do it. Because I'll be, I'll be a servant. That's who you want me to be. Lord, I thank you, God, as we have this attitude, Lord, the impact that our church will have on people's lives. Lord, not that our church will ever be a famous church, a huge church, some big shot church. Lord, we'll be a church that makes an impact in people's lives. And we'll be a community of people that, that we, we extend our arms out with love and acceptance to everybody. Just like you've done for us. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. We're just going to conclude in a, in a song of worship. If you want to just continue to pray, sing along with us.